Howdy ho, you handsome hunk. Grab a snack and gain some chunk. If your day is great or really sunk, we hope to help you shake the funk. So if you're good to hear some junk, buckle up, it's the Junk Monk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Junk Monk Podcast. I'm your host, Candace Sloan, who you know from Instagram at Hardens and Hard Hats. And I'm now your co-host who is freaking out. If this is your first time listening, let us fill you in. We are watching and reviewing every episode of the USA hit TV show Monk right here each week. We're going to do so while eating a little bit of junk. So we'll get we'll get into the junk in, in a few in, minutes. In a few minutes. Yeah. yeah. But you must know. I have seen every episode of Monk. I'm a huge fan. Started watching in 2007 and for the most part watched it as it aired. I've seen season one and those we've done on the show and a few scattered here and there in different seasons. So if you're ready to start the show, are you ready to start the show? I am. Okay, this is, Candice, can you explain to them what we're doing today? Okay, so basically, basically, we have one of the top most credited writers on the TV show Monk. We are about to interview him coming up. And we actually are recording this before we've done the interview. Mm -hmm. So you're getting some nervous little jitters. Yes, very. Mm -hmm. But we're ready to have some fun. We're we're excited. We've got our questions. We've got got all the things. We've got our junk. We, I think we're prepared. We are. We're going to do a little interview with Mr. High Conrad. Like I said, one of the writers on Monk. He has 43 writing credits. He also co-executive produced the last two seasons of Monk. Wow. And he, of course, is a writer. He writes mystery novels. And we will talk to him some more about that coming up in just a few moments. So, like I said, we're going to do a little interview. We're going to have a fun lightning round at the end. And we're really excited. We are very excited. So, is there anything we left out? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we're good. And so if you guys are ready, enjoy this interview with Hi Conrad. Uh, so did you happen to bring any junk food or a snack? Uh, I did. I did. This is uh, oh. rice crisps. So awesome. Okay. What we have during cocktail hour because we don't have a lot of junk food around the house, but we uh, we'll, we tend to eat crap when we um, uh, do our uh, cocktail hour. So. Gotcha. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So I have some kettle corn. Oh. And I have pecans. Some sugar pecans. Junk food at all? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm supposed to be on a diet, but the podcast always gives me a little reason to indulge. So that's always nice. So. Um, our first question to start off is we did do some research and we saw that you do have a new book. So yes. c- could you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. It's called The Fixer's Daughter. Oh. And it is, um, it's out now. You can get it on Amazon. It either it's a paperback or as a Kindle. Uh, it is my 20th book. Um, I did four books in the Monk series uh, and, and, and other mystery books. And this one is my favorite. Uh, and it, it talks about a, uh, it takes place in Austin, Texas, and it's about a old school Texas fixer who's a politician, sort of a disgraced politician, but who can kind of get you out of trouble if you get into trouble. And he's kind of pitted against his daughter, who's this um, idealistic reporter. 
and they wind up dealing with the same murder. He's trying to keep it low key and out of the public headlines. And she's, uh, as an investigative reporter, is trying to solve it. It's gotten great reviews on uh, Amazon and on Goodreads, and uh, we're really excited about it. That's awesome. Okay, so I actually read the sample on Amazon, and I was pretty upset when it cut me off. So I was already I was already interested in the character Callie, right? Is her name. And where her story was headed. I think she had she was going to the paper to get a job and then the next chapter was she'd met her brother mm-hmm. and they were started talking about their father and then it cut me off and so I was like, ah, okay. Oh, well, it's on sale this week for 2.99 uh, for a Kindle edition. Oh, wow. Okay, perfect. So that's that's good to know. And uh yeah, I mean, you there are questions you must have already, like, why is her brother named State? Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Yes, yeah. Kelly and State. Um, her her brother was actually named State's Rights. When he was young, his father was into oh. politics, and is, this was his statement. So he named his son State's Rights. And I actually have a friend, an older friend, whose uh, name is State's Rights. And oh, okay. And State from an old Texas family. Yes. Wow. Oh, and also we're in Texas. We are in Texas. Oh, there so you go. As soon as you started talking about Austin, Travis County, which we're not there, we're Dallas, Fort Worth. Oh, okay. But I, we knew, I knew what you were talking about. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so as a mystery writer, you must be used to coming up with crimes and clues. But when writing an episode of Monk, did you actually start with the mystery or a Monk adventure? Or what did you start with when writing? We usually started with the twist. Um, Andy, our head writer, would call it, um, you know, his little pearls, and he didn't want to waste any of them. When you came up with a twist, then um, you would often build a mystery around it. There was occasionally when we would come up with a situation, like when Monk went to prison. Someone thought, oh, this will be a fun idea, Monk going getting sent to prison. Would he go there undercover? Would he go there being convicted of a crime? These are all things that we had to figure out along the way. So we kind of came up with that general concept. But then almost immediately after, we had to come up with the, uh, with the crime. So in the Monk episodes, because the crimes are kind of twisty, whether it's a body on you know, the minute hand of a clock or um, uh, you know, other improbable things, um, they always come very early. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it does it does seem to make sense to write the twist and then kind of work from there instead of, okay, let's start with the story. And then once you get there, like, wait, how are we going to make this interesting? Yeah, and you, yeah. we, one thing that we don't like are whodunits. We don't like, oh, you know, it could be A, B, C, D, E. And, oh, he was on the train at that time. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it has to be suspect E. Um, to us, that's really boring. Uh, sort of like picking a name out of a hat. You give everyone else a little alibi as you go along, and the person without an alibi, you know, is the bad person. And um, I just don't see the the interest in that. Uh, a lot of monks were why done it. Um, you know, why did you know the person with the? Um, there was an episode, and I don't know if you have reached it yet, about with Snoop Dogg. Yes. Oh, yes. That was a great oh, episode. I love that. And I have written a lot of books with twists in them. And some of them are like aimed at children. They're sort of like Encyclopedia Brown type of uh, books. So I, especially in the early days, would come in to work and uh, give people a little riddle, a little, and one of which involved daylight savings times in which someone 
sets a bomb and winds up killing his best friend or someone that he was dependent upon for his earnings, like someone indispensable. And why? And the solution was that he had set the bomb to go off at a certain time. And that was, he didn't take into account daylight savings time. So I brought that into the room. And then we walked about, okay, what kind of, it would probably be a bomb set on a analog clock, like on a, an old, an old time clock. And um, where would the bomb be set, you know? And we thought, well, let's put it in a limousine. And then, then at some point we had a lot of cards on the board. We had a lot of um, cork boards around the office and you would put up different ideas. And one of which was um, Monk getting involved in the music business and like with rappers and that that would be funny. So that was already on the board. And then we came up with someone being killed in the limousine at at the wrong time. And so we kind of took that and we took that and we combined that. And um, so we had a lot of ideas, some of which, you know, are still on that board somewhere, never used. That's so interesting. Okay, so since we're on that topic, were there any mysteries or ideas that you can remember that never made it into the script? We were a very efficient team. And I've worked on other shows, and maybe one out of every three scripts you wrote, or one out of maybe one out of every two scripts you wrote got actually picked up and filmed. A lot of them were just, as we call, burned. They were never done someone would have an objection to them. And very early on, the network, you would say, started to trust us that we knew what we were doing. And, um, you know, these little gems, these little pearls that Andy came up with, he was very protective and he didn't want any of them to go to waste. There was one that did go to waste. It was Monk on a cruise ship. So you had one of the crew members. We we wrote the script like three times because we tried to get a cruise line to let us film on board. And our initial bad guy was the captain. And they said, no, 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 you can't have the captain. We won't let you use Carnival Cruise Lines and have the captain be a murderer. That's that's not going to work. And then we said, okay, how about, uh, you know, the onboard magician? You could do something with him. You know, he knows how to, he would know how to do this kind of murder. They said, well, you know, can't you have it happen when they're off, like on a day trip in Puerto Vallarta and, you know, they get killed there? And I said, no, that's, that's a Puerto Vallarta mystery. That's not a cruise ship mystery. A cruise ship mystery is that it happens in that confined space of the cruise ship and you have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So long story short-ish is that we, um, we couldn't get a cruise line to cooperate with us. And so that was the one episode that we never did. And that one, I took the plot of that and made it into a Monk novel. Oh, which which novel was that? Um, Mr. Monk Gets on Board is something like that. It's, oh, okay. It has a nautical theme to it. Um, yeah, Mr. Monk Gets on Board. I just saw it on my shelf. I'll have to read it. And Yes. And did you change the name of the cruise ship? I mean, you know, the, the cruise line. Did you use a fictitious well, I, I, line? Because of the necessity, I wanted it to be a small kind of tattered cruise line because of the, you know, and you, you wind up changing a lot of things because of necessity, because, you know, why would this person do this? Okay, let's say it, you saw, it's all about solving problems. And there were some problems in how the cruise ship functioned that I wanted to make it a small cruise ship, maybe 500 passengers. 
and I didn't want to make a top of the line. I think there was a day or so in the story where your the cruise ship passengers can't use their cell phones. And now using cell phones on a cruise ship is something that's done all the time. But I, I, I wanted it to be to fit those certain requirements. So I made it a small ship. Gotcha. Other than that, and you know, with a made-up cruise name. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So we know that the writer's room was in New Jersey. Right. And then the show filmed in L.A. So what was the relationship like back and forth from the set? Like if somebody wanted to change something, like one of your scripts? or We would only have a writer who would be out there. Often in the beginning of writing season, everyone would be in the room. There's usually five of us, maybe sometimes six. And we'd, we'd all be in the room. And then at some point, someone would be sent out to L.A., uh, usually someone who was based in L.A. And so he would go back to L.A. and he would be our point man on the set. And he can make tiny changes by himself, but anything that really affected, you know, affected a good joke or affected a setup or affected a um, scene, he would call it in and we would discuss it. So there would be someone on the set. And the great thing about, you know, I wound up being co-executive producer on the show, which in the real world has a lot of responsibilities. You have to deal with casting. Um, you know, you have to deal with things on the set. You have to deal with a lot of things behind the camera, which I don't enjoy. Since we were 3,000 miles away, we tended not to have to do that. We would get involved with casting, but like the day-to-day grind of, oh, they're shooting this today on the set. Oh, they're doing that. Um, you know, what are we, you know, we didn't have to deal with that at all. So we could spend all of our time working on the scripts at a certain point during season one or season two, Andy yelled at them enough that they decided they just would leave us alone and count on us to turn in scripts that everyone would like, which is what happened for, you know, eight years. So that was great. Did you get, did you ever get to be one of those people that went to see your script be filmed? Yes. Um, I saw a couple of my scripts filmed. Um, one, and this is part of my problem with being on the set, is that you go to the set and we did Mr. Monk and the Paperboy, where right, the Paperboy is murdered because he keeps trying to deliver a paper. And this is mm-hmm. when we first meet his upstairs neighbor, um, Kevin Dorfman. Yeah. Is during that, um, is there, was during that thing. And so in this script, it has, you know, it's 5 a.m., the streets are deserted. Mm-hmm. Um, a newspaper boy is trying to deliver a paper and I get to the script and it's broad daylight because they didn't consider it a night shoot. Um, They have hired cars to go back and forth on the street. They hired uh, actors, um, extras to walk along the street during this whole thing. And, you know, I, their director, sir, um, I don't think this is going to work. You know, it says, you know, 5 a.m. It says streets deserted because they get into a fight. He keeps trying to deliver the paper and and the guy attacks him. And, you know, to have 20 witnesses and 15 cars pass by is not going to work. And he said, look, we've already hired everybody. This is what we're going to shoot and we'll work it out somehow. And we wound up refilming the entire thing a month or two later. It sounds um, like it needed to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, what, had, what had happened was for the first five or six seasons, we used to go to San Francisco for like 10 days and film things that actually looked like San Francisco. And um, no one was happy with that scene, that daytime scene with the paper boy. So um, we did, we redid that on location. 
uh, at night and it worked a lot better. For the last season or two of, of Monk, uh, we didn't go to San Francisco at all, but they had built on the soundstage, um, outdoor soundstage, they had built a big green screen circle. It was a green, you know, the green streams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, but it was built in a circle so that you could walk across a street and turn wow. any direction and you would all be green screen. And there are a couple of shots um, with like Monk standing in the middle of a San Francisco s- street and turning this way and that way and wondering where he's going. Those were all filmed in the back lot in, in LA with the expensive green screen, which you know, it may have cost a couple hundred thousand dollars, but it was not nearly as expensive as moving the whole cast and crew to San Francisco for 10 days. That makes wow. sense. That sounds impressive. Three, like a 360 view instead of yeah. just like a screen. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how, if ever, did, did you actually watch the episodes as they aired or? Well, we, we watched them very, very often. Um, uh, there are a lot of different versions of, of, of an episode you'll have the first the first cut that comes in you know and they're usually too long especially if you get a good guest star who tony knows um because then they'll get into messing with each other and all of a sudden it's the scene is three minutes longer than it needs to be john Turturro was was that way um uh, stanley tucci was was that way they would improvise and do things with each other and all of a sudden you had to cut three minutes worth of, of screen time because you hadn't counted on that. So the first cut that comes back is the director's cut. And we all look at that and, you know, figure, okay, what needs changing, what needs cutting. Um, and then there's the producer's cut, uh, the writer's room cut. Uh, it goes through three or four at least iterations of everyone getting a two cents in about what can work here and, you know, what doesn't work. And do we have to bring the actors back in just to do their voices? You know, so if you do a cutaway, if you need to change a line, you won't focus on Tony's face. You'll focus on someone else's face and Tony will loop the line in if we change a line after it's all been filmed. And sometimes you'll take a minute or two out of, out of their day and have them refilm something from from a previous episode so it's a long 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 process when it finally gets on the air you wind up seeing it sitting down with your family and seeing it but i have not seen an episode of monk since it originally aired wow Wow. i've never gone back because you spent so much time (laughs) and then sometimes you will forget things you'll you know you came up with so many different names for a bad guy or um you know that you will forget what the, you will forget what the final episode looked like, and one example of this um, is when we wrote Mr. Monk Goes to Jail, um, the one I was mentioning earlier. We didn't like the twist. We didn't like the ending. It was kind of convoluted. And it was it was kind of it was weird, uh, and so. We want, after the script came in, we had a, we had a guest writer come in and, and write us uh, a wonderful woman who used to work on Murder, She Wrote. And she came in and she wrote a script for us and it was fine. And then we decided, no, we need a better twist. And we completely rewrote it. So I think when she sat down and watched it with her family, she didn't know who the bad guy was because it wasn't at all the script that she had turned in. Wow. So it, it's always, until you actually show it, on, on a screen, you know, you never quite know exactly how it's going to wind up. Right. That's awesome. 
So as the show was airing and gaining popularity, did you have actors reaching out who wanted to be on the show? Yes, um, we used an awful lot of them. Um, there were, since it was a very clean show, um, and we also, it was also a kind of a slow show in which you really respected the actors. You, if you watch a Monk episode, there are never more than maybe 20 scenes in the entire show. We don't cut back and forth between things. We don't um, have one minute scenes and then a 30 second scene and then a three minute scene. That's true. Um, every, so the scenes kind of give the actors room to breathe. The, the actors themselves will watch episodes with their families. And so they know it's a clean show that their eight year old can watch. And so we have a lot of, we have a lot of volunteer, we had a lot of actors volunteer uh, and then, or when we asked them to, to do it, they, uh, they would say yes, because they hadn't watched the show with, with their families. That's awesome. So were there any roles that were specifically written for a guest star? Um, or was it always like an uh, well, it's, it's it, No, not really, because you had to get, we would write, no one could commit that far in advance. Um, right. That's part of the reason we had so few episodes with Monk's brother. We wanted to have many more episodes with him, but John Chotro just couldn't Fantastic. commit that. I think he did three, maybe four, maybe three uh, episodes with us, but he really couldn't commit. And so we couldn't sit down and write a script for him, for Monk's brother. You can't have someone substitute that and then not have him commit. Jason Alexander was sort of like a last minute replacement. We had originally written the role of Mr. Monk and the other detective which Jason Alexander did and did a great job. Um, he may have gotten nominated for an Emmy for that. I'm not sure. I can't quite remember. But um, uh, that was written for from the guy from American Pie, the young guy, Jason or something. Or, uh, Jason Biggs? Yes, yes. He was sort of our, our original idea that he was sort of like living with his mother and was kind of dysfunctional and preening and, you know, and then... I, I think Jason Alexander came to us and said, you know, I'd love to do a Monk. He met someone at a party, one of our people at our party, and said, oh, I would love to do a Monk episode. And so we took that character and made it into this loser, slovenly, you know, Jason Alexander role. And, um, of course, he, he did magic with it. It was terrific. Well, that's, I, I love that episode. Yeah, that is, yeah that's good. Yeah, it's, I, that's one that I wrote, and I'm, that's probably my favorite. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so we assume that Adrian Monk was the most fun character to write for. You can correct us if we're wrong, but other than Monk, who is your favorite character to write for out of the main, you know, cast? Well, Disher, of course, was always, um, Lieutenant Disher is always fun because as most of the people who worked in the room were comedy writers. I was the only real mystery writer, at least in the very beginning. And so they all had their jokes. They all had their go-to jokes. So a lot of jokes are stupid jokes or jokes that a stupid person would say. And we would save those all for Randy. And, um, <laughs> and it's just because we had the jokes around and we thought they were funny. But going back to your, so I, I liked writing for, for Randy. And of course, we wrote completely different for Sharona and for Natalie. We had one script left over after um, Biddy left, and um, we kind of changed the names a bit and made it uh, an episode. It may have been Big Reward, but I'm not sure which episode it was. But it was 
sort of written in Sharona's voice where she would kind of talk back to him and um, it was was not doing well. And we realized that she had to be a different character. We just couldn't take Sharona's personality and lump it onto Taylor Howard. We had to make it more her. And, you know, so we don't have this blousy New Jersey woman who's going to talk back to him. She was this petite, you know, younger actress. And so we decided that she had to be the nicest person in the world. And that's the only way it was going to work. So whereas Sharona would challenge Monk and talk back to him, um, Natalie would, you know, do everything she could to help him out. And that was the way that the actress herself could work with the role. If we had made her any a harder kind of character, it wouldn't have worked. Right. She definitely mellows out, you know, the first like three episodes, you can see her being like, I need this, I need that. And then she mellows out. And so uh-huh. yeah. that, was when, that was when we discovered that we had to make her different. Right. Um, exactly. One thing we did change, and it wasn't for an actor. There was an episode we did in which, and I, for, we went through so many iterations, but this one was um, someone like a Bruce Lee character is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cobra versus the Cobra. Yeah, I think that was the one. Mm-hmm. And um, so in that one, we wanted someone who had been buried in, you know, in the San Francisco area or, and you no, know, someone famous. And so the first person we tried and she wasn't she wasn't buried in San Francisco was um, Audrey Hepburn. We wanted them to exhume Audrey Hepburn's body during the you know, and see how why she couldn't have been the killer. And we thought that, you know, using someone as wonderful and as chic as, as, as her. And, and of course, her estate would not allow that. But every every comedian in the room, as soon as we mentioned exhuming Audrey Hepburn, they all had a great line for Disher, which was, she still has those cheekbones. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we went through several iterations. Then we approached Bruce Lee's estate and... Um, they talked to us for a while and then they turned us down. So we made it a fictional martial arts character. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, I got Bruce Lee vibes from it, but I, so I, I, well, it was, it, yeah, it, yeah. we just changed the names. Right. Yeah. So other than a character being your favorite to write for, was there a character that was more challenging to write for? Um, I mean, the, the, uh, the, the four main characters were really Terrific. We we knew all their voices. Um, you would have uh, you know some of the I don't the relationship between um, Howard Crenshaw and um, Monk was challenging in that Monk hated him so much, and um, so coming up with situations in which they would play off of each other might have been a little uh, demanding, but. Often characters like the upstairs neighbor uh, came out of the necessity of the episode. We wanted the most boring person in the world, and we needed him for the demands of the plot. The, the, um, the plot was that he kept going on to Monk about all the addresses he used to live at. I lived at 65 Winter Street, and then uh, when we were 10, I moved to 78 Washington Avenue, but that was only for a short time. And then so as he keeps saying this, a monk keeps zoning out, those numbers turn out to be the lottery numbers, the lotto numbers, and he wins the lottery. So that whole character, which who did four or five episodes for us, 
came out of the necessity of one plot and that we had to have a character who comes into the monk's world and is the most boring person alive. And that was his personality. Right. I love that. And I, those are some of my favorite clues where they're right in your face and you're almost like, Oh my gosh, just get over with it. And then at the end, that was so important. I love those clues. Those mm-hmm. are, I love those. Yeah. Okay. So the next question has a little bit of a spoiler, but we had a few listeners ask about it. So if anybody's listening to that and that hasn't seen the end of the show, just be warned. But I have, I did tell Noah this because I was going to ask the question, but that Natalie does not end up with any of the three leading men. Now I did not tell him who the men end up with. So I left that a surprise for him, but I did say that Natalie doesn't end up with any of the leading men. So what was the reason or discussion behind that decision? Um, I don't think any of them were really worthy of her, you know? Agreed. Um, she, um, you know, she, she always seemed to be, uh, to us, to be someone who could take care of herself, who, um, you know, didn't really, I mean, need... I think anything we did to her character would have seemed forced. I mean, Sotomayor had been through, I think, uh, his first wife and a divorce and a second engagement, and she was convicted of murder, uh, and then his third one. So we needed some sort of settlement there. Uh, Sharona and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to give any away any spoilers here. But, um... mm -hmm. But, um... Anyway, so... Some characters seem to have needed to get um, together, mm-hmm. and I don't think her character really, really needed it. Right. I, I, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so our last question before we head into our lightning round is... I'm scared of this lightning round. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's tame. It's okay. okay. <laughs> what do you miss most about being a part of Monk? Um, I think the writer's room. I worked with some of the same writers on three different shows, um, one of which is The Good Cop, which is still on Netflix. We did one season of The Good Cop with um, uh, Tony, God, um, with Josh Groban and um, the actor from Who's the Boss? Um, oh, Tony Danza. Tony, you know, Tony will kill me. Um, and Tony Danza. We did one season of that with some of the same writers, and then we did another show for ABC that never got on the air with some of the same writers. So the writer's room is what I really miss. Um, you know, popping in there every day, and you wind up, you know, you start just for the first half hour just talking about your day, telling jokes, things you read in the newspaper, and and then it morphs into this um, kind of very intense, um, you know, and we never, we always had lunch brought in because he didn't want to interrupt the flow. And um, Ray Romano, who um, was a TV actor from years ago. I love um, Ray Romano. His production company is called Where's Lunch, which is the cry of every writer's room as it's like 1230 or one o'clock and they're all starving and lunch hasn't <laughs> yet been delivered. So, um, so you know, you work through lunch, it becomes a very intense process. Uh, and then you... If you're lucky, you do some great stuff. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. To, that I would love to be in a writer's room one day just to listen to all the ideas yeah. bouncing around. That that sounds really fun. And yeah. free food. <laughs> and lunch. Um, yeah, so I think next is our lightning round. It is. All right, so the listeners are used right. to these segments. So um, they know what all the segments are about. So we'll, 
We're just going to transition quickly through each one, and we're just going to ask you one question that pertains to each like one. You need a quick answer or something? You need a you quick know, answer? Well, we don't want to rush you. If you would like to elaborate, that's fine with us. We're just uh, we're just sticking to our one question, and then feel free, obviously, as long as you'd like to talk, we'd love to have you. So it's quick for us, but it doesn't have to necessarily be quick for you. Yeah, so. I got it. Okay. All right. So ready? Yep. Okay. Here's what happened. Okay. This segment is all about the summation. So what is your favorite monk summation? I think where monk goes to the circus and there is the clown in the background and um we always like to have something different during the summation and there was one that was totally silent um etc but the one with the irritating clown in the background i think has to be my favorite i love that was that. hilarious i love that episode and i actually did um as one of our other bonus episodes Noah was at school so i, I partnered with someone else to do it but we had an entire three-hour conversation about all of the summations and realized, you know, as going through the entire series, there's so many times you guys were able to just switch it up just a little bit and make each summation just its own, like, character. It's so great. So I love that you said that one, though. I love that clown who's like, clonk <laughs> with the tip, with the shoe. I love that so much, so. Okay, so next, I usually ask what we liked about this episode in a very smooth transition way, but I'll ask, what episode are you most proud of? Um, I would have to say Mr. Monk and the other detective. We had Jason Alexander, who did a great job. Um, we had the guest star who did not play the bad guy. You know, Jason's role was not the villain, yes. mm -hmm. which was a very, which is a big switch up for us. Um, so yeah, that's the one I'm most, I'm most proud of. That, yeah. And then I think we're on Mr. Monk joins a cult mm -hmm. is what we recorded last night. And we realized that Howie Mandel which arguably he could be a bad guy, right? Because mm -hmm. he's kind of conning people, but that he wasn't a bad, he wasn't the villain either. Oh, I, so, I, yeah. I had forgotten that. No, <laughs> well, no, no, not to call you out, but I, we, we just discovered that last night. We were like, he, because I think he pointed out, like, that's one of my favorite villains. And yeah. I was like, wait, was he the villain in that episode? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but Jason Alexander as well. That was very unique on that part. So, next would be dislikes. So, um, the one that never really came together to me and I, Never, I could bear, when it finally came on the air, I, I had a hard time watching it, was Mr. Monk goes to the dentist. It never quite gelled. That one, we don't hate it. It's just Candace doesn't like the dentist. <laughs> I, I, I recently got my wisdom teeth taken out like two weeks ago. So that was like, it was Monk superphobia. And then I was going to get my teeth out. So I was like, no, but yes. Um, we actually wound up refilming a bit of that um episode and it but it never really in my mind never really came together yeah i, I think that was because at the end of each season we do uh we rate each episode right so then we mm -hmm. at the end of the season we rank all of them in order from what we had rated them throughout the season and i believe that was our, our least favorite episode yeah. in that season so that's uh, interesting that you mentioned that with us. <laughs> yeah. okay so next one is he's the, the guy, guy. Okay, so this segment is all about actors who appear in the episode. So the question is, who is the most memorable guest star in your opinion? Hmm. Um, the most memorable guest star? Mm -hmm. Sarah Silverman. We love Sarah Silverman. <laughs> I was on the set with her um, uh, when she was doing one of the episodes, and she was a delight to work with, and she was very... 
modest and had a lot of great ideas and and knew what we were getting into. So, uh, yeah, working, doing, I think she was in maybe two episodes, Mm -hmm. maybe more, but she was, we really enjoyed her. She's awesome. That was the season opener for this season six that we're on now. And I gave it a perfect 10. Yeah. So I love, she does, she does the crazy so well. Crazier than Monk. Yeah. Usually Mm -hmm. we rate each episode on how crazy Monk was, but because she was so crazy, we did it on her. (laughs) You know. And of course, then she goes back to F. Murray Abraham. Is that the one where she? Yeah. Yes, yes. And we were sitting around the room. Okay, what name can we use that would be funny? <laughs> Just saying the name is funny. And F. Murray Abraham came to mind. I think he's a hunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one. Junk time. Welcome back to my favorite time of the show where we eat our junk. And Candace usually asks me a question. Okay. Today, she's going to be asking you a question. That's different. Yeah, okay. it's even better. First, what is your go-to junk food? I know you said you don't like to eat junk, you know, but. Um, I, I'm not a really into sweets. Um, so, you know, like salty things like these um, rice crisps, mm-hmm. um, you know, are, are fine. I can't think of any. My favorite dessert is uh, pineapple upside down cake. Oh, really? That's not a junk food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That goes back to childhood. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, we, we've talked about recently how we like to cook recipes together and all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. we've had all different variations of, we had Syrian donuts last week. We've oh. had, I mean, like all different, Taco Bell. Yeah. Any, just anything we can get our hands on before we start the show. That's just what we grab and then start recording. Yeah, what a week we'll have some fancy entree and another we'll have potato chips. <laughs> Gatorade or something Gatorade, random. Yeah. So whatever we can get our hands on. Um, so we actually, for this junk time, we asked the listeners out there to submit questions and they okay. had some really good ones. So thank you listeners for that. Okay, this question is from Fantasia and she had a lot to say about Trudy. So again, if you, no spoilers, if you could try to answer it this way, but... She wants to know, did you end Trudy's storyline the way that it was intended? And also kind of how far in advance did you know how her story was going to end? No, we had no plans for Trudy, except that every season or so we would get a little step closer. And there were a lot of what we call stutter steps. A lot of steps there where it really didn't, you know, once a season you would deal with the Trudy thing, but it wouldn't really advance the investigation and that was just because we were kind of treading water Mm -hmm. um we knew the series was going to end towards the end of season six going into season seven um we all think because everyone's contract was up around the same time and usa was getting into uh, sort of like younger programming like uh suits and um you know they're kind of blue sky programming and so we all figure that we were ready to let it go after eight seasons and um, so starting in like season seven, we started to tie things up a bit. We came up with the end of um, Dorfman. Um, we, you know, kind of tied together um, Stoudemire's um, thing with his fiance. Uh, and we started thinking a lot about the, the ending. And we watched a lot of final episodes. We watched, you know, the final episode of MASH. Um, the Fugitive, you know, all, all various to see what would make a good final episode. And of course, it had to revolve around Trudy. So, so you really didn't know until 
I mean, you had to sit we down. Were, we were putting together the elements. We would take like a half hour or an hour every week or so and kind of like fill in elements of what we thought would make a good ending to the series. Um, but there is one prop that Monk used for several Christmas episodes, et, 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 et cetera. Um, and one day someone said, can we make that part of Trudy's solution? Can we make that part mm -hmm. of Trudy's story? And that was just serendipitous. That was just lucky that this wow. one thing that had been there all along mm -hmm. um, from the very beginning wound up being a central part. And you know what I'm, must know what I'm talking about. Um, that that wound up being a cornerstone of, of the uh, solution. Mm -hmm. um, but no, we didn't. We when it came to like the actual murderer and the actual last episode and how it all winds up, we didn't know that until maybe a month or so before. Wow. The well, end. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> Knowing that. So, but I mean, later, once we get to the end for him, we'll replay this for him and then he'll be like, okay, I get what's going on. I get what he's talking about. So, but thank you for answering it that way. Plot holes. Uh -oh. This is my favorite part of the show where we get to dissect it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to ask you, what is the probably most implausible crime? Well, you know, my favorite crime, and this was one thought off by um, Andy Breckman's brother, David Breckman, who's um, a writer in L.A. and terrific writer and guy, um, was the body on the uh, men in hand. Uh, and when Monk goes back to school, um, that's just, oh, and, and the, uh, the astronaut who kills his girlfriend with a garage door opener. Mm -hmm. Those are, and that was also, I think, a David Breckman um, um, idea and things that are just so, you know, completely out there that they just make you laugh. Right. Mm -hmm. So would that be this kind of the same answer as what your favorite clue might be? Um, I like elegant clues. There was one, I think it might've been the next to the last episode in which there is this rhyme that someone says or someone writes down, whatever, and Monk figures out that it's an address, that these are numbers. Mm. Um, I actually don't remember that, but. Um, and so, and at one point, Natalie gets on a board and writes out the words, you know, like he something, heaven, whatever, and Monk realizes, no, that's, if you say it, that's seven. That's, mm. and um, so, Elegant clues like 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 that where someone makes oh um, girls can eat fifteen pizzas mm. is another example of one mm -hmm. in which the um, the victim um, has memorized a license plate number and he used and he memorizes it as a mnemonic device so when he says girls can eat fifteen pizzas and they kind of play around with that it turns out to be a license plate number. I love mm -hmm. that clue too. That's another really in your face clue mm -hmm. that by now watching it so many times I do remember, but I remember thinking after it's said and done, like, of course that's a license plate. Like, duh, everybody, you know, remembers license plates now. And so it's mm -hmm. like, I just think that's really great. The girls can't eat 15 pizzas, how they don't put it together, but it's like, well, we didn't put it together either. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> how crazy was Monk this episode? Okay, so we always make a list of crazy 
stuff that Monk did in the episode. So what is the craziest Monk moment that you can recall writing? I think when he was, he obviously was fixating on something, but he, when he wound up putting water in the garbage, do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah he has bags of water. I'm like, what's right. in there? And he's like, it's water, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you throw away your water? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he wanted it all to be sanitary. So I think that was my um, favorite crazy moment. Yeah, and they put it in Sector 9 for him. Exactly, uh-huh. <laughs> Rate this episode. Unfortunately, this is our last segment where we okay. sum up the show and we give our ratings. So our last question for you is, what are some final thoughts of all the Monk fans that have stuck with the show all these years and for all the new viewers that still continue to find the show? Uh, I'm amazed that the show has remained as, you know, I've worked on several shows and none of them, I think, have had that kind of staying power. I think everyone just loves what Tony Shalhoub did with the role. And having someone who was that damaged and yet, funny that you can sympathize with and and laugh with and laugh at is just really personal to a lot of people. And uh, I think that's made it successful rather than any other detective. um, Tony brought a real humanity uh, to that. And I don't know of any other actor who uh, could have done it. Yeah. Great answer. (laughs) Tony is great. And you have been great as well. So I think that's it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else that anybody, um, it's been an honor, a privilege. Well, thank Um, you. Thank you for having me on. And everyone needs to go right now and order High's new book, The Fixer's Daughter. It is on Amazon. And where can people find you and more of your books and more about you? Uh, There's a highconrad.com. That's a good way to find me. There's also, I think, Instagram. uh, My husband who's an is an used to be an ad executive um uh deals with all these uh things but yeah you can google high conrad or go to high conrad on amazon or go to um highconrad.com and you'll find out more on highconrad.com there are also these little mini mysteries like three or four minutes to read and have a solution right there and um some of them might even be possibly reused on monk because I've been writing these books forever. Oh, wow. That's okay. Exciting. Yeah, so. All right, guys. So head out there and get your copy from Amazon, wherever you can find The Fixer's Daughter. And highconrad.com. Yeah, and highconrad.com. Perfect. And thank you once again so much. And we hope to talk to you soon, maybe some day in the future. Uh, but Absolutely. Thank you so much. And you know, This was a lot of fun for me. Thank you, guys. And everyone stay safe because it's a jungle out there. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Hi. Sure. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Junk Monk Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow us at Junk Monk Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you want to know more about Candice, she's at Hardens and Hardhats on Instagram. And if you want to know more about me, Noah L., subscribe to my vlog, Noah Hernandez, on YouTube. Also, you can leave us a voicemail at 323-366-0477 with your questions, comments, or just to show us some love. Don't forget to catch up on Monk with Amazon Prime Video or Peacock TV. And of course, subscribe to our show. You'll thank me later.